0: This morning, take your Bible with me and turn to the book of Psalms, uh, Psalm chapter 78, Psalm chapter 78. We've been in a series the last number of weeks um, in which I've entitled Another Helper, Understanding the Holy Spirit. And uh, this morning, we're actually going to kind of press pause in our series, and we're going to consider a passage of Scripture from the book of Psalms. You know, the Bible has so much to say about honoring the mother that God gave you. Actually, you just take your Bible and begin to read from beginning to end, you're gonna find not just in the Old Testament, but in the New. The reiterated command for each of us to honor our father and our mother. The Bible makes the point in the book of Ephesians that this is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you. And as I thought about it this week, I was reminded of the fact that this is a command in Scripture that was given to each one of us. It's given to each one of us as individuals, not just for a day of the year, uh, but for really to be a part of each day of our life, to show appreciation, to show honor to the mother that God gave us. And as I said earlier, I'm fully aware that on a day like today, there are all sorts of emotions. Uh, for some, the emotion of the morning is quite painful, and for others, they are quite precious. But for each of us, the commandment has been given to honor the mother that God gave us. And you know what? As I thought more about it, that uh, that's not the responsibility of our church to do for you. It's not our responsibility to honor your mom for you. But actually, it's your responsibility to honor the mom that God gave you. To show appreciation to your physical mother. To honor and esteem her uh, for who she is. And to thank, on a day like today, the spiritual mothers, as Tammy shared, that God has so richly surrounded us with. And to appreciate them for the way that they impacted your life. To appreciate them for who they are and, and the fact that they, that, that that person uh, was the mother that God gave you. Well, this morning, we're going to po- press pause in our series on the Holy Spirit and uh, consider a little bit what it looks like. Remember last week, if you were here last week, we, we began talking about what does it look like to be filled with the Spirit? And really, I had a two-part message talking about what it looks like then to limit The power of the Spirit of God in our lives. And the more that I thought about it, the more that rather than just looking at some New Testament commands on what that looks like, I thought might would be even more helpful to look back in the Old Testament and to see a living illustration from the Bible of of a generation that limited the Spirit of God in their lives. And so we're going to take a little bit of a detour in our series, all right? We're coming right back next week. Uh, but this morning, you're in Psalm chapter 78. Psalm chapter 78 in verse 41, if you have a King James Bible, it'll it'll put it into this phrase. It'll say that the children of Israel limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited the Holy One of Israel. Now listen, that's a really striking phrase. Because God himself is omnipotent, right? He is all-powerful and all-present. God is Uh, there is nothing that really can limit him. And yet the Bible would make this point that the children of Israel in this generation limited the Holy One of Israel. Because you see, the Bible's pointing us all to this reality. It wants us to see something in Psalm 78. It wants us to see that there is a generation in the life of Israel. And just as there was a generation in the life of Israel, there's a generation today. That here in this service this morning, there is a generation of moms and dads. There's a generation of spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers. And we're told that, notice in the Old Testament, that there was an entire generation of people that limited the Spirit of God. They limited the Holy One of Israel. You say, wait, pastor, how did they limit it? Well, they limited God by failing to showcase His glory. They failed to showcase His wonders to a watching world. And I wonder this morning if we are guilty of the exact same thing? You know, there's a great responsibility in the church today that each one of us shares. And this morning, if you're a born-again follower of Christ, do you realize that there is a collective responsibility that rests upon each of our shoulders? And that is that there's a generation today. In our society that is so filled with hopeless and, hopelessness and despair, it's not funny. I mean, as you think about the, the climate of our world, the, the, the society of even the generation in our own nation. And as I think about the younger generation today, I'm just so reminded that there is so much spiritual defeat. There seems to be so much despair. There are young people today that are just living in hopelessness. Read the statistics for for adolescent suicide, and they are through the roof. And I wonder, as the Church of Jesus Christ, do we have anything to offer them? Is there something that we can give them? Is there an impression of God that you and I, as the Church of Jesus Christ, can give to this generation and show them that, yes, there is hope in God. There is confidence in the Lord. But I wonder if in many ways, by our lips or by our lives, we are limiting the Spirit of God at work in the world today. We are limiting, as the Bible would say, the Holy One of Israel. You know, if we could summarize in just one simple phrase a a description of what happened in this generation with the children of Israel and the Israelites, I'm sure it would probably go something like this. We see a history of God's faithfulness but we see a story of their forgetfulness. I mean, just read the Old Testament and we're constantly reminded of a history of God's faithfulness, but we also see a story of their forgetfulness. The Psalm that we turn to this morning is a Psalm that was penned by Asaph. We have been in two of his Psalms this morning. Perhaps you've heard of him. As you read across the Old Testament, you'll discover in a number of places his name is mentioned. Um, And oftentimes, his name is mentioned because, as Jay shared with us this morning, he had, in many ways, this responsibility of being a music director, a, a, a chief musician, as it were, for the children of Israel, both in the reign of King David and in the reign of his son Solomon. And so in the Bible that you possess in your hands this morning, there's at least 12 different psalms that were penned by Asaph. And in many of those psalms, you find Asaph as he describes for us Uh, how we are to worship God and lead the church in worship, he was somebody that was really concerned about the next generation. (laughs) Excuse me. If there is anybody in all of the Bible that probably looks most like a youth pastor, I think it would be Asaph. Uh, He he is so concerned with the young people in his generation. and He wants these young people in the life of Israel to not forget God. He wants them to know God because he knows just what a difference the hope of God can make in each of their lives. And so in Psalm chapter 78, would you stand there with me this morning? We're certainly, uh, for sake of time, not going to read all of the Psalm, all 72 verses. But we're going to hit the high points this morning, and I hope that uh, this afternoon you take some time to read uh, the rest of the psalm and get a full setting and a context for what he writes. But begin with me this morning in verse 1. Notice how he directs the congregation to worship the Lord. He says in verse 1, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parable, and I will utter dark sayings from old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. And we will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord's, His might, and the wonders He has done. He established a testimony in Jacob. He appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers to teach their children so that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children. Why? Verse 7. So that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. That they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast but whose spirit was not faithful to God. Father, this morning we pray that you'd open our eyes to the kind of generation that we need to be. I pray this morning as we consider new life and just, Lord, the blessings of uh, this life and, Lord, as each one of us today uh, can be reminded of uh, the fact that we have a mother and, Lord, had a mother and, and the difference, Lord, today in our life and yet There's something that you're calling each of us to, not just fathers and mothers, but Lord, there's something you're calling an entire generation of followers of Christ to. And Lord, help us this morning to see it, help us to understand it clearly. And Lord, help us that it is so impressed on our heart as to who we are to be and God, what we are to do, that your spirit would would change us, would fill us. We We pray this morning, Father, that your spirit would help us as we consider this passage. I pray that, Lord, you would uh, help me, Lord, as I communicate, that, Lord, it would not be my words, but, Lord, as we consider your word, and uh, together, Lord, are are led by the spirit of God this morning. We pray it in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. All right, you can be seated. Now, here's the thing. Asaph is 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 an older generation uh, gen, gen, gentleman who is concerned for the well-being the spiritual well-being of the children of Israel. And in that he's going to give in the psalm if you had the time to read and we read together you would see that there are a number of different life events in the nation of Israel that actually a generation had had a tendency to forget about. I, I don't know do any of you guys ever forget anything? Oh man, we are so prone to forgetfulness. And, uh, and this morning, I want us to consider how God wants us to remember something. You know, the most often repeated command in the Old Testament is actually a very simple word. It's the word remember. Remember. Can you turn to your neighbor and tell him that this morning? To remember? Remember. What are we to remember and more importantly why does god want us to remember you know i think the reason that that command comes up in almost every book of the old testament is because god knows that his children have a tendency to forget and perhaps the worst parenting mistake like if there could be any parenting mistake that the bible lays for us in the old testament Probably the worst parenting mistake that could possibly happen is that parents do not pass on their faith to their children. Now listen to me very closely, because it is not your responsibility as a parent whether or not your child embraces your faith. Can I just say that to some of us this morning that are so laid down by that, weighed down by that? You know, you think about that proverb in the Old Testament and you say, well, wait a minute, doesn't it say train up a child in the way? What? You know it. Come on. Train up a child in the what? Where he should go, and when he's old, he'll what? Well, yeah, and you're like, wait a minute, but I have a son or a daughter that's departing. Listen to me. Proverbs are not promises. Proverbs are not promises. It's not your responsibility whether or not your child will embrace God's truth but it is your responsibility whether or not you tell them, And it's the responsibility of our generation today that we are reminded of who God is and the hope that is found in him. You see, the children of Israel had been rescued out of Egypt. They had been delivered out of bondage and slavery. And certainly, if any group of people should have remembered who God is, and his might, his miraculous, wonderful deeds, it would have been these really silent parents that said nothing. There was a generation in the life of Israel that was characterized by passive, silent parents. And there's a reason why God so frequently gave them this command. I want you to think about the children of Israel that came out of Egypt just a moment. What were some of the miraculous works that they had seen firsthand that God did? Someone tell me, talk to me this morning. What did they see? They, the, the, the parting of the Red Sea. I mean, can you imagine that? Walking up to this massive body of water, no way forward, being chased by an invading army that wants to put you back into slavery. And in a miraculous way, God parts the Red Sea and they step into that water on dry ground. That's profound. Could you imagine walking through the wall of water? It's like a visual, you know, aquarium. You've seen it all. How that must have shaped their life. I I can't even get there. Come on, tell me some other things. What were some miraculous things that they saw firsthand that God did in those early wilderness wandering years? Manna from heaven. Manna from heaven. Water out of a rock. Quail just starts dropping, you know. What else? What else? A pillar of fire that represents God's presence. And literally, they didn't have to wonder whether or not God was with them. They visibly, literally saw it in a pillar of fire by day, a cloud by day in this pillar of fire by night. Certainly, if there was any generation in the Bible that would have told their children some pretty miraculous and wondrous things that God did. Wouldn't you think it would have been that generation? Come on, wouldn't you have thought it would have been them? But you know what? They were silent. In so many places, God rebukes the children of Israel. Why? Because they limited the Holy One of Israel. Psalm 78, verse 18, Asaph makes the point, that they tested God in their heart by demanding the food that they craved. Someone said it this way, the same sun that hardens clay is the same sun that melts the ice. And I mean, wouldn't you just think, what would have been life been like, not just in those early years, but maybe the generation after, you know? Now that those same parents who had come out of Egypt as a young person and had seen firsthand the miraculous works of God And now they themselves have their own children and there's this another generation forming. Wouldn't you anticipate that the conversation around every dinner table at night would have been the the awesome, mighty power of God? I mean, the stories that they would have told their children that would not have been a part of those first few years of seeing or, or experiencing that. And then just to hear firsthand, I mean, what would you think if your grandmother told you those stories? You're just sitting around having breakfast with grandma. And she says, let me tell you about the day that God parted the Red Sea. I mean, some of us, that would be the nighttime story we want to hear every night. But the problem was that there was a generation that limited the Holy One of Israel because they did not talk about it. Would you turn to your neighbor and tell them they didn't talk about it? They didn't talk about it. Turn to your other neighbor and tell them they didn't talk about it. They didn't talk about it. Notice what happens in verse 17. Look down in your Bible at verse 17. The Bible says, yet they still sinned. They they sinned still more against him, rebelling against the Most High in the desert. You say, wait a minute, Aaron, wait a minute. Why did these profound miracles that they saw firsthand Why were they so quickly fading from their memory? Notice what Asaph tells us in verse 42. Verse 42 they did not remember his power or the day that he redeemed them from the foe. They were limiting the Holy One of Israel. You say, How so? Notice in verse 32. In spite of all of this, the Bible says, they still sinned despite his wonders. They did not, what's the next word? They did not believe. They did not believe. Make the connection with me this morning. How were the children of Israel limiting the Holy One of Israel? What were they not doing? Unbelief. Unbelief. You find the same thing happening in the Gospels when Jesus would come into certain towns and wanted to do wondrous and miraculous signs and because of the unbelief of the people, Jesus did not do those signs. How do we limit as a generation the power of God, the majesty of God, the glory of God? Certainly, God is omnipotent and he is not, in some way, you know, his power is not at all restrained by us. Let's not go down that theological ditch, all right? But there is a real sense in which there are things that God wants to do in this generation. There are things that God wanted to do in that generation. But because of their unbelief, because of their failure to believe God, they were limiting the Holy One of Israel. Now, I want you to think about that in your life. Many of us have not walked through a sea that had been parted. Some of us have not been led by a a pillar of fire, and some of us certainly have not tasted of the heavenly manna. But can I tell you that there are some miraculous things that God's done in your life? Or maybe I shouldn't assume that. Maybe I should just ask, has he? Has he? What's the the most miraculous thing that God has done in your life? He saved me. There's no greater miracle than that. That sinful people can be made righteous with a holy God. But can I ask you point blank this morning? Fathers, mothers, have you told your children that story? Spiritual fathers and mothers, I'm talking to everybody in the room right here. Have you told that to somebody else? You know, i tell you, it, it, it kind of burdens my heart sometimes when I'll do funerals and a lot of times when I'm doing a funeral, for somebody I don't know as well, and certainly I remember asking them about their testimony, if I had that opportunity in this life to do that, but a lot of times I'll forget. I, I, mean, I may have talked to them once or twice about it, but I, I just don't remember. And I, oftentimes, sometimes in that week leading up to the funeral, I'll ask the family, I'll say to them, I say, Hey, how, how did your mom or dad trust Christ? Do you remember? Do you know what I hear the majority of the time to the questions that I ask that? Do you know what they say? What do you think they say? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I know she did. I just can't I can't remember. But I mean, shouldn't that be one thing as a child from a spiritual mother or father or to a physical <coughs> mother or father who had been born again and experienced God's transforming grace in their life? Isn't that a story that you would want to carry on and tell? But we don't talk about it. I think there's probably other things this morning. If we could just take a microphone and I walk around the room this morning and you give firsthand story of how God has miraculously come through in your life, this room this morning could be filled with stories, But if we were to think about the fact, have you told those stories to your children? Most of us would be guilty of saying, you know, I really haven't. They forgot God's works because they did not believe. And in doing so, they limited the Spirit of God. They limited the Holy One of Israel. Does your children know your testimony? Because you know what? It shouldn't be on them to ask. But it should be on you to tell them. You didn't get to pick the generation that you were born into, but God did. And God's placed you in this generation, and you say, well, then what does God want from my life in this generation? Can I show you? Look down in your Bible at verse 6. This is what God wants from your life in this generation. Back up actually a little bit to verse 4. We will not hide them. What, what, is, what is Asaph saying that there's a tendency that... <coughs> excuse me, you're going to think I'm really sick after this. I'm just battling the allergies, all right? We will not hide them. What, what, what is the temptation? What, what, what in this verse is, is in, in failure of being hidden? What is, what is Asaph saying that there's a danger of this getting lost? What is, what is it? His what? His glorious deeds. You see that down in the verse. We will not hide them. Hide what? Those glorious deeds. We will not hide these glorious deeds from their children but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. You see, we're not hiding his deeds. We're not hiding his wonders. And and we, he's talking not about parents in this verse. He's talking about the the assembly of Israel. He's talking about the children of Israel. And our understanding of reading this passage would be he's talking about the church. He's talking about for each one of us that we will not hide these glorious deeds or these wonders from their children. I love it because he's he's not even talking at this point to the fathers about their own children. Certainly he'll do that in just a minute. But he starts with the premise, the assembly of God's people, and he says, whether or not you have physical children or not, it's your responsibility to tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his wonders that he has done. And we will not hide them. We will not hide them, but we will make them plain and visible. What does God want from your life in this generation? Can I tell you? He wants your life to tell this generation of his faithfulness. He wants your life to tell this generation that is so filled with hopelessness, that is so filled with despair. God wants you to tell this generation of his faithfulness. So why? Verse seven, look at verse seven. So why? So that they, that they, the generation, might set their hope in God. Can I tell you, that doesn't happen automatically. That doesn't happen randomly. It's not that we're gonna some throw some spiritual dice and somehow, by some means, this generation is just gonna get it that they can set their hope in God? No, the Bible is making the point that you and I must intentionally tell them. We must intentionally tell them. That's why he says in verse one, notice, give ear, O my people. He's not talking to physical fathers and mothers in this verse. He's talking to the people of God. He's talking about all of us. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's for all of us. It's for all of us. It's for all of us. This, this responsibility that is placed on our shoulders of, of telling the next generation the glorious deeds of the Lord is for all of us. Reaching the next generation, hear me clearly, reaching the next generation begins in the present. And it begins with the present. It's not about like we're gonna reach the generation by like just hoping and planning and looking, but it, but it begins with the present generation. It begins with each one of us. We're never going to reach the next generation if we're not a faithful to God in the present generation. Just turn to your neighbor this morning and tell me, are they breathing? Your neighbor breathing? They may be sleeping, but at least they're breathing, all right? They're breathing. And if you're breathing, hear me this morning, if you're breathing, you're a part of the present generation. You're a part of the present generation. And the spiritual impact, Asaph is saying, The spiritual dividends that are going to come in the next generation will come because of people in the present, not limiting the Holy One of Israel, but believing Him and remembering Him. Can I tell you just three simple ways this morning we limit the Holy One of Israel in our life? And how do we limit it in the impact of other generations? We limit the Holy One of Israel in at least three ways. The first is this, by failing to proclaim the truth of God. By failing to proclaim the truth of God. I see that in verses one through four. That's why he says, give ear, give ear, oh my people. Hey, 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 listen up, listen up. You ever been in a restaurant on a busy day and there's something playing on TV and you feel like you kind of hear it, but you really can't hear it. And so you kind of do this number. You know what I'm saying? You're like, if I just magnify my ears, like, I will hear it. And in a lot of ways, that's what he's saying. He says, hey, 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 give ear, listen up. Here's something I want you to really, really don't miss out on. Give ear, oh my people, to my teaching. Whose teaching is he talking about? He, he's speaking as if he is God. Give ear to my teaching. He's talking about God's teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. Notice what is Asaph wanting us to get a hold of? He wants us to proclaim the truth of God. And in order to do that, notice what he says in verse 3. He says, the things that you have heard and known. He's implying that if you're going to proclaim the wondrous deeds of God to another generation, there's been a time in your life where you've heard those things. You've heard it passed down. There's actually been somebody that spoke something and you received it. But then he says, not only that you have heard, but that you have what? But that you have what? Known. You see, that takes it from just this merely intellectual understanding to birthing it into the deep recesses of our heart, where each one of us are firmly convinced of the truth of God in our own life. I mean, can I just ask you a really personal question this morning? How much of your personal knowledge of God was something that you received firsthand, reading the scriptures, being impressed by the Spirit of God? Or how much of your Christian understanding was simply something that was just given to you by somebody else? Why do we see so many of the present generation leaving the faith? could be that maybe they heard it, but they never knew it. And I wonder, the same could be true of your life this morning. Do you know the truth of God's word? But more than that, have you experienced it in your own life? Because look, I'm just telling you, you're not going to talk about something that, 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 that can impact the life of somebody else that you've never experienced in your own life. And we wonder, why is there sometimes such a disconnect between what I want to tell people about the Lord and then what I really do tell people? And could it be just the very simple fact that there's very little in your own spiritual understanding that you've come to experience firsthand and then you've struggled to pass it on? Because it's like, how do I say to something, how do I share something that I don't have or I do not know? And the Bible makes this point that we will teach these things. That we would proclaim the truth of God. We will proclaim the truth. We limit the holy one of Israel by failing to proclaim the truth of God. I'm thankful to be in a church where we proclaim the Bible. I'm thankful to be in a church where, in our young classes and our young people's classes and our teenagers, we're proclaiming truth. I pray this morning if if God's blessed you with children, that you're taking the responsibility in your own home to do one of the greatest things, and that is to disciple your own children, to disciple your own family, to teach them the truth of God. We will limit the the Holy One of Israel in, in our day. We will limit God in our day if we are failing to teach who he is to the next generation. And we will limit him, secondly, notice this, By failing to proclaim not just the truth of God, but the works of God. Verses four through six, notice what he says. He says, So that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but but keep his commandments. Verse 4, we will not hide them from their children. Whose children is that? Whose children is he talking about? He's not just talking about the children that are in your home, although that's important. Asaph has in mind here, as he's talking about these children, he's talking about a generation. He's talking about your life as a generation impacting the generation of the one that's coming behind you. And he calls them your children. He says, we will not hide them from their children, but notice what are we going to do? We're going to proclaim it. Can I just tell you, the generation today has a lot of questions. Those of you that work in our student ministry, you sir, know this to be true. Young people today have a lot of questions. How many of you are a parent of a teenager? Can I see your hand? How many of you get a lot of why questions? Can I see your hand? It's just like constant, right? Why, why, why? We've not hit that yet with Ashlyn, but I know it's coming, all right? But you know, the young generation today has a lot of questions. They want to know if God can be trusted. They want to know if God can be believed. And they're looking to people like you. They're looking to people like you, whether or not you've seen that and experienced his works firsthand in your life. I mean, real stuff. Like, like, like they're, they're asking the question, like, not just can God be trusted with my eternity? Certainly that's a question they're asking. But they're asking even deeper questions of like, is God still good in my life when, and then they just fill in something. Can God still be trusted in my life when, when I get cancer? can God still be trusted in my life when I I go through the loss of a spouse or I go through this deep problem? You see, they're asking hard questions. They want to know in life if God can be faithful, if he is faithful, and if he can be trusted. And they're looking to you to to answer it. And I'm telling you, we do a really poor job of this as a church. I'm not just talking about you guys. I'm talking about like the church. Because you know what many of us don't do? Many of us don't open up ourselves to be vulnerable to the young generation, for them to see the ways in which you wobbled in your faith, the ways that you struggled in your belief. And they see you now as like, you know, this tall oak tree that just spiritually somehow has it all together. And then you're like, hey, can God be trusted in your life? Oh yeah, trust God, Just, just do it. Life will be a lot better for you. And they're thinking in their generation, but no, but you didn't have this in your generation. You didn't go through this. You didn't experience this. You don't know this. And sometimes I feel like there could be so many bridges built to this present generation if we simply just opened up about our personal experience and talk to them about the works of God that we saw firsthand in our life. Because that carries weight. Theology, the truth about God without any shared lived experience is just like a skeleton, man. It's just, I mean, it's the bones, it's the pieces, it's the right elements. But man, there's nothing in that that I can connect with. But the minute somebody just opens up about their experience and they say, hey, you know what? There was a time in my life and they began to unpack it. But you know who God was in the midst of that? And I found that to be true. And and today, I know that he did fill in the blank for me. That's profound. That's profound. And that's what the present generation needs to hear. But we're limiting the Holy One of Israel. If we're failing to proclaim the truth of God, if we're failing to proclaim the works of God, and you say, well, how am I failing to proclaim it? You know, you do one of two things as a parent, and we all do this as a church. We're all guilty of it. If we're not proclaiming the works of God, then you know, one of two things are happening. Either as a church, we are just not speaking about it. Maybe in your home, you're not speaking about it. And if you think about it, really, those of you that have young children in your home today, how much of the conversation at your dinner table, at the activity in the car ride, how much of it is God-centered? How much of it as the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy, that fathers and mothers are to teach their children, whether they sit or whether then they lie down or whether they walk in the way, that, that all of life, it's not just that you have a, have a spiritual Bible hour for 30 minutes and, and you were obedient to do what God commanded you, no, but that every point in your life, throughout the day and the responsibility of these young ones, that God has entrusted to your care, that you're taking the opportunity to tell them about who God is and what he's done. But you know, here's the real problem. Sometimes the disconnect happens in the life of these young people because they see mom and dad trying to do this. They see them taking them to church. They see them having these nightly devotions. They see them in any real crisis moment of their life where they just went off the deep end. Mom and dad are just pegging them with truth, you know? And they they get it in those moments. But you know what sometimes also happens? Is that we proclaim a different message. It's not that we just don't talk about it. Some of us talk about it, but while we're talking about it, we're also talking about something else. So they saw that God was a part of your life, but God sure wasn't important as your job. I mean, yeah, I mean, God, Christianity sure means something, but when it comes to the way that you relate to us as children, the way that you talk to your children, they don't see Christianity at work there. And you're proclaiming a different message so that although this might be true, it's constantly undercut by an alternate message. And Asaph is saying, hold on, we will not hide them. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. (laughs) Because notice in verse 5, what did God do? He established a testimony, he appointed a law, he commanded fathers. What is he saying? He's saying God's given us his truth. For you and I today, we read this verse and we say what Asaph is talking about is he's talking about the word of God. That there was a generation that, <coughs> excuse me, was given the word of God, they were given some of those things. And it's so foundational. But, but, but you as a parent, me as a parent, us as spiritual fathers and mothers have this responsibility to give those things to the next generation. I'm thankful those of you that serve in our Awana ministry. Those of you that take time every week to volunteer into our youth ministry. Why? Because we value that as a church. We're saying to one another that there is a real spiritual battle in the lives of our young people today. There are are very much spiritual forces up against the battle in the life of these young people in this present generation. And and, and as a church, we're going to say, you know what, God is he he is trustworthy so we're going to we're we're going to proclaim his truth and we're going to proclaim his works because when we're proclaiming his truth and we're proclaiming his works you know what Asaph says the third thing is that when we fail by failing to limit how do we do it we we, we limit the Holy One of Israel in our life by failing to proclaim truth, by failing to proclaim the works of God, and then finally, by failing to proclaim our confidence in the Lord, verse seven and eight. You can talk about God's truth and you can talk about His works in your life, but look at me real clearly this morning. If the, if the next generation does not see your confidence in the Lord, then you have undercut both things. They need to see some some followers of Christ. Some young people today that didn't grow up with a good mom, didn't have a good father. They're struggling in some of these things that even within the home should be provided. Praise God there's a church that cares about the widows and orphans. Praise God that there are people that are willing to enter into the mess of others. But can I tell you this morning, They need to see your confidence in the Lord. And I'm just telling you, like, if I were to like graph it out in my limited data of what I see, I feel like our confidence in the Lord in this generation is not very great. Doubt and unbelief have filled many Christians' hearts. And they are not believing God the way that they should. They're not living the way that they should. And you're undercutting to the next generation a confidence that could be theirs. And I'm telling you, as a, as a pastor, as a father, as in, in my life in recent days, that, that's the one thing I want to be able to hand off one day. I can't can't hand off my faith to Ashlyn and for her to believe it just as I have. That has to be a moment in her life. There has to be a time in her life where she responds to the truth of God in her own life. But man, the one thing as a father that I sure want her to remember about dad is that dad had confidence in the Lord. And do I? And then see, it's just this question that each of us are having to ask and to believe, and how are we living that out? And so I'm asking you this morning as a church, let's not be guilty of limiting the Holy One of Israel in our life. Let's not limit what God wants to do in this generation, but let's showcase His glory. Let's showcase His might. Let's showcase His salvation and tell the works of God and tell the truth of God And demonstrate to this generation that there is confidence in the Lord. There's confidence in the Lord. Father, we thank you this morning for your precious word. Thank you this morning, God, that you love us. You've given us new life. You've given us new joy. Father, help us to walk and to parent and to care, Lord, to point the next generation to you. May they not see our failures, although those are many. Lord, may they not see just the moments in life where we didn't do the right thing, but, but Father, I pray that this generation, would be able to look at Christians who certainly are not perfect, but they want to tell the next generation that you can be trusted. Father, would you grow our faith in you? Would you grow our belief in you? Would we not be so shallow and closed-minded that we're so consumed with our own endeavors or our own thoughts or our own idols, that our our young people and the generation sees that there's this tremendous disconnect between what we're trying to proclaim and what they see. Lord, may they see authenticity. May they see a genuine love for you. And God, I pray this morning for everyone that's here. I don't know what it looks like in their life, but, but Father, maybe in some way, they're limiting the Holy One of Israel by failing to talk about you by failing to proclaim your wonders to the present generation. God, would you grow our confidence as a church in your power, in your wisdom, in your might. Lord, may there be many things in our life that we do not understand, but one that should never be said is that we do not trust you. That, Lord, you are not good. We believe all these things. And We pray, Lord, for right now, the generation that is coming behind us, that we have the responsibility to pass the baton to. Lord, may you do a supernatural work in these young people's lives. I pray that, Lord, you would save them. Lord, I pray for the wandering prodigal son or daughter this morning that is heavy on the heart of a parent here. May they know that while they're not in that place, you certainly are. And may we trust you. May we trust you. May our confidence in you today grow as a church. We love you and praise you, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm not going to have an invitation this morning for you to come forward, but I hope that the invitation this morning is right there in your seat? What is God asking for you to do in this generation? That's a question I've been asking myself the last few weeks. What is the the thing that God wants me to do in this generation? And I hope that you can discover that. I pray that you would live with such purpose this week that we're doing what God wants us to do in this generation told someone the other day, I said, there's been a lot of pastors in this church. There's been 31 pastors in this church. And I know that there'll be a 33rd, right? Because there's going to be this passing of a baton. There's a pat- passing to the next generation. And that's happening in your life. Certainly all of time goes that way. You see that. So my, my encouragement to you this morning is a personal challenge, Am I proclaiming the truth of God, the works of God to this generation? And do they see my confidence in the Lord? And if not, take some time today to get alone with God, to get realigned, to get refocused on what He wants to do in this generation, in your life. And let's not be guilty of limiting God's power, His work in this generation. Certainly not in this church. May this church be a group of people that are faith-filled, Hope-filled, confident that God is faithful. There's that old song, um, Amazing Grace. Would you lift up your voice and say it with me? Sing it out. Just a cappella this morning. Of of his grace that's come into our life, it's going to be by God's grace this week that we do this. Uh, It's not going to be in your own effort, your own ability, but it's going to be by God's grace that we live this way. And so would you just lift up your voice? We'll sing it out. Here we go.